Hey, good evening, my peoples. What's up? This is T Money back in the building talking about sports. It's my second podcast. So today I'm really going to go all the way in with the real sports talk of the century right now in Detroit. You know, the forecast today was kind of hot, you know, nice 84 degree day. So I got a lot of stuff done. Went to the movies and everything. So everything turned out pretty good for the day. Um, uh, you know, overall, I had a pretty good day. Um, I burned through some stuff on the grill today, so I had a few hot dogs, some hamburgers, and a nice little steak. So, you know, I'm feeling pretty good today. You know, nice Sunday, day off. So, I enjoyed it. I hope everybody enjoyed their day today, too, on a Sunday. Even if they worked or didn't work, you know what I'm saying? You know, just be happy to be alive and be thankful and be blessed. For, you know, for being here, you know, that's the way I look at it. Today, I specifically wanted to talk about um, the Russell Westbrook situation that's going on right now. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, many people maybe heard it, but may not heard it. You know, he's talking about he wanted to get traded out of OKC. Um, he's heartbroken and he's bitter that Paul George left him. He's probably going to have some type of beef with him. I'm looking forward to that right now. And uh, I think Brody, man, he's in a situation where no one really wants to play with this guy. They, they see what he's about, man. He's selfish at times, even though he get a lot of assists. He does a lot of uh, things in the games where, you know, it's mind-boggling at times. He goes hard to the basket. I give him credit for that. He's aggressive. He does a lot of things um, that's good. You know what I mean? He's a stat stuffer. He's a triple-double machine. Um, a lot of people like that about him because, you know what I'm saying, they say he's a triple-double machine. And they love everything about that. Uh, he was MVP from that. You know, the first time he got the MVP, I, I applaud him for what he did. Nobody did anything besides that, uh, averaging the triple-double the whole season besides Oscar Robinson. I salute him. But after that, it wasn't cute no more because he wasn't winning games. You know, he's shooting wild shots, shooting wild threes. Uh, that's why KD left. Couldn't close the games because you're in a situation where you got a guy. Now, you know, you got both guys almost averaging 30 points a night. You know, KD probably averaging... Uh, probably like 30.1 or something like that. And Russell is averaging like 25, 26, 27, 28 points a night. But he's also shooting 38, 39% from the floor. And three-point lane, he's shooting like 28, 29%. You know what I mean? So from the free throw line, he's doing pretty decent. But his free throw percentage then went down over time. His three-point percentage has went down. And he's being pretty durable. You know, I give him that. I give him credit on that. He's been hurt and he bounced back. He's been in some very uh, scary injury situations in the past. Um, he bounced back pretty well. I give him credit for that. And how hard he plays, you know, he really, you could tell he put in the work and take care of his body. Um, he's a fashion icon in the NBA. He does try to be a trendsetter. On the court, you know what I'm saying? He's, you know, tenacious type of guy. He goes hard. He, he looks heated all the time. 
So he, he comes out there and he gives everything he got. I give him credit on that. Um, overall, he's he was in the top five point guards in the league. But like if I had to pick my top five right now, it's definitely going to be Steph Curry, number one, then Kyrie Irving, then I got to put Dame Dollar, man. Dame Dollar is that guy, man, you know. He's been stepping up. He's been hitting clutch shots, and he's been doing his thing. He stepped it up. He understands the importance of winning now, and being in the situation he was out west last year, getting to that Western Conference Finals was huge for Portland, and I was very upset with Terry Stotts, and I was telling my coworkers, I'm like, you know, Denver got a good team. Don't get me wrong. Denver was perfectly matched with them in a lot of ways. And I and I studied those games. I'm looking at the talent, you know. They couldn't really stop Jokic, which nobody really can't do because the way he plays, you know what I mean? He shifts both sides of the floor. He knows how to um, put himself in position to score around the basket. And he's a good rebounder. He's a good defender. And he's a good free throw shooter. He can shoot the three when he needs to. And that was scary in that situation for for Portland. But Terry Stott, he put the team in a scary situation in the playoffs. And it kind of made me upset because, you know, my friend Wise, that's going to be part of this podcast. uh, We was arguing about, you know, because that's his team. Denver Nuggets his team and you know, he bragged about it all year. He did call it out. He did say the Denver Nuggets was going to go far. Denver Nuggets was going to be uh, top three out west. And he was right. I give him credit with his due on that. But I just felt like at the beginning of that series, I just felt like if, if Portland lost that series, you know, I was going to blame the coach because he didn't put his players in the right position. I seen the matchups and he was talking about all the analytics stuff and everything else. And I'm like, look, you know, that's, you know, I understand you, you know, the analytics part of it. I'm looking at matchups or the court, which is part of analytics, but I'm looking at it from the floor perspective. He's looking at it from the, you know, the box score, the, the analytic statistics part of it and, all the PRs and all that stuff. I, I'm looking at it from matchups and being on the floor and, and the vision being on the floor because I'm a former basketball player. So I understand the game and I understand, you know, matchups. And I was saying, like, if what, what Millsap did in that series, he was he was out there balling. I had to give him credit with his dude. He started off strong. He was getting 25, 27 and all that. He almost he had a 30-point game one night. I'm like, man, they ain't got they don't have an answer for him. You know, uh Alfarima was out there missing threes, you know, shooting wild shots at times. He wasn't making anything. And he was the one that hurt him in that series. That's why I'm glad Alfarima was gone. I was like, they got to get rid of him after this season. I kept saying that, you know. He was talking about no Alfarima, he's doing all right, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, you know, I'm looking at the game, and I'm like, I'm looking at Evan Turner and Evan Turner to me is a very underrated power forward uh, he didn't do too good in Boston when he was there you know he really didn't get the playing time like that and 
and put him in a bad situation. And when he was in Philadelphia, you know, he was, I think Doug Collins made him play multiple positions at times when they had Drew Holiday at that time. And then when he ended up going to Portland, he was just, he got his money. And and I always seen him as like a poor man's Draymond Green. You know, he's a good rebounder. He's a good defender. He can play multiple positions. But the way the Portland team is set up with uh, Dame and McCollum, he was a good facilitator for those guys, getting those guys in position to hit open shots. And a lot of people don't look at Evan Turner that way. I'm the only one that really look at him that way. I'm like, wow, this guy, he's very valuable, especially defensively. So you have to put him in position to guard those bigs and those small fours. He might not be quick enough to guard point guards like he did at the beginning of his career, but, you know, he put on a little bit of size and that's what shut down Millsap. If it wasn't for Evan Turner being out there late in the games and it wasn't for letting, you know, playing uh, Zach Collins. Zach Collins was huge in that series. Uh, even Ennis Cantor with one shoulder was huge. You know what I mean? So you got to look at all those little aspects of the game. And I look at all that. I study all that. Myers Leonard coming in, playing hard, rebounding, hitting shots around the basket, hitting wide open threes, you know, hitting a little mid-range shots here and there. And I was like, wow, i never seen Myers Leonard play like this. And he got more playing time. Then Zach Collins saved him, and I believe in that game three of the series. And he started to not really trust those guys. He kept playing that starting five and six and seven man rotation. I'm like, he got to play. He got to go deep in his bench now. You know, he found these diamond rub players, and that's what took them far enough to win that series. They 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 went to and play, you know, Golden State tough, even though Golden State closed out games because they don't have the experience. You know, Mo Hartless was playing, getting played wrong in the game one, the game two of that Western Conference Finals. And um, in that series against uh, Denver, he played solid. He played all the way through. He was learning out there. Um, speaking of Denver, um, I, I, I thought Denver had a solid season. I really did. I thought, and I think this year Denver has a chance to do something. And um, my friend was telling me about, you know, Porter Jr., Michael Porter Jr. And I never really seen the guy play. And I started looking at highlights and stuff. He was telling me about him. But I'm looking at Michael Porter Jr. If he comes back healthy, it, it'll give them a solid chance. Uh, Jamal Murray got his contract extension. Jokic going to be there for another. I think four years left on that deal. So I think Denver is going to be in a good position. LA and the uh, Lakers and the Clippers is going to be neck and neck. On that addition, uh, bringing in Paul George and with Kawhi and Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell, that's going to be, that defense is going to be scary, man. And I wish they could have got them a, a versatile, more versatile. I like Zubox. I think Zubox is, is is gonna grow. I think he's gonna really be out there, especially with this contract. That's that's basically just saying, look, he's gonna be the, either the starter or he's gonna have a big role coming off the bench. I don't. I love Lou Williams. You know what I'm saying? He's the ageless six man. You know what I mean? He's like Jamal Crawford. So as long as he's playing at that type of level, I think they're gonna be all right. So 
I was talking about that a little bit yesterday, but today, you know, I think, you know, Doc Rivers and those guys, it's going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. And I told, you know, people in my job, I said, look, man, you can't count the Clippers out. And and it was like, oh, the Clippers ain't got a chance and blah, blah, blah. They was down by 30 points plus, and they came back and won. Patrick Beverly and those guys, they, I just why I love Patrick Beverly. He fights tooth and nail to the very end. Uh, Montrez Harrell fights tooth and nail to the end. You have to have guys like that gritty, tough-nosed guys that's going to go out there and play to the very end, and I love it. I love it. The guy, Patrick Beverly, might not be that great offensively, talented like that, but the guy defensively, he just gives it, even on offense, he gives it everything he, he has. So you have to give that man credit where it's due. But tonight, you know, I'm going to be focused on the Pistons right now, especially with these rumors on Bleacher Report and ESPN that's uh, Adrian Rosanowski was talking about this Brody situation. Um, I'm looking at Detroit's Pistons, and um, I was looking at everything on ESPN earlier, and it says that Russell Westbrook has $40 million cap hit for the next three seasons. And I thought about it yesterday, and um, I really didn't like that trade the last couple of days thinking about it. I'm like, man, I don't want Russell Westbrook on my team. Then I thought about it carefully. And I thought about, you know what I mean? I'm looking at Reggie Jackson. I'm like, Reggie Jackson has to go. That's what's, that's what's hurting the Pistons right now in free agency market. They don't have the money to cap strap. But right now, at this point now, the way the East is set up and, you know, the way the Raptors is looking, they back to being almost in rebuild mode. But they're still going to fight to tooth and nail to the end. I think Pascal Siakam now is his chance to develop and become this star. I think he can become an all-star player. Just a, just a strength of him having his own team now. And he's still got guys around as glue guys like Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. You know, those guys like that. And I think the maturity level of Kyle Lowry stepping his game up, becoming a higher, more versatile talent on the floor. You know what I mean? So I think that's going to bring a lot of versatility uh, to Toronto in a lot of ways where guys can grow. Um, OG Abanoli is coming back. And um, they signed Stanley Johnson, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was kind of funny. But, uh, you know, Stanley's a scrappy guy. I think Nick Nurse will use him in certain situations. He's a decent three-point shooter. He's a decent two-point shooter around the basket. Uh, his mid-range is kind of okay, you know, he has some things he has to work on, but I think with Nick Nurse and his experience, I think he can help develop him. Because Nick Nurse has a solid background. He's been around. He's been overseas. He's been in NBA development league, college basketball. The guy got experience. And I always liked Nick Nurse how, you know, during the season I talked about him. I said, the guy knows how to sub players in and out. He knows when to put people in certain situations. I'm a big guy and looking at matchups and when players should be in the games at a certain time and when to call a timeout. I'm, I'm always about situations, especially when you look at Houston Rockets. You know, Mike D'Antoni, I've been saying this for years, he's a guy that burns his players out. He's known for burning his players out, playing 
you know, five to seven man rotations. If you're not in foul trouble, you're going to play between 38 to 45 minutes a night. You might get two minutes, you know, I mean, a wrestling, you're going to back out there at it. You know, if you're not in foul trouble, he's one of those type of coaches. And, you know, when he was the coach for the Phoenix Suns years ago, I always said that he burned out all his players. He burned out Steve Nash. His career didn't last long. He had bad knee problems. Uh, he burned out Sean Marion. He only had a little bit left in the tank. And Sean Marion is supposed to be a perennial all-star. He was a great defender. He had an unorthodox shot, but it worked. You know what I mean? The guy was slashing and dashing and scoring at will. He had a good mid-range. He was a good three-point shooter. His whole game was very controlled. You know what I mean? Then you look at Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire was phenomenal. Defensively, played with energy the whole game. But the minutes caught up to him. When he got to New York, he got healthy. And I'm like, okay, he got healthy. He started get, putting those numbers back up. Then when Mike D'Antoni came to New York with Carmelo Anthony, then Carmelo Anthony started having knee spasms, back spasms, and, you know, swelling at the knees and all this other stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's not going to work. Even Stephon Marbury sat on the bench for a couple of seasons. He said, I'm not playing for this man. He told um, Dolan, I'm not playing for him at all. You know what I mean? He just sat on the bench for two years and got paid and went to China and became this star. He got a statue and won championship. So, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, all this stuff that's going on with the coaches, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happened next season. Um, New York, the signings they have, bringing in Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, you know, guys like that. And they bring in some other few pieces here and there. I think it's going to work. Uh, Reggie Bullock, I think uh, I think Fizdale is going to be a a good coach for those guys. He's a, you know, he's a tough minded guy. He was put in a bad situation and, you know, they, they, they did that for caps purposes, you know, bring up, get those two, um, max contract situations to open up, but it didn't work. And I think it didn't work because I don't think any players want to play for, um, Dolan at all, man. Um, I think Dolan is a dirty guy and, you know, the things he's done to his players is unreal, man. Uh, What he did to Charles Oakley was very disrespectful and I still say that. Um, I just don't like him, you know, at all. Like Dolan, I just don't like him. But anyways, I'm going to go back in on this uh, Russell Westbrook, a.k.a. Brody situation. Um, It says, like I said, the $40 million for the next three years. It's a lot of money, especially when you're paying Blake Griffin probably around $35 million a year. And he's supposed to to have a $39 million player option. So his final year of his contract. Then you got Andre Drummond has $27 million left for this year. Then he got a player option of $28.7 million in his second year. And his final year of his contract. Two years left, basically. So, 
they talking about the potential deal can be a possibility between Reggie Jackson, another player off the bench, to go along with Tony Snell, either Luke Kennard or somebody like that. I, I like Luke Kennard. I think Luke Kennard should stay. And I hate I hate to say it, but I I would just definitely give up Langston Galloway um, if he's still in the contract. I think Langston Galloway um, has to go, man. I love him. He's a good scorer, but right now we if I, if we bring in Russell Westbrook, I think Russell Westbrook with in the East with the Pistons they can be a top four seed, probably the weakest to six seed. I mean, you got three stars on your team, so it's you know they 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 got some patchworkable guys around them. That cap might be high. They still got Derrick Rose. You know, what I mean, if he's healthy, he can be a force, especially in the East, coming off the bench. And I think that works well. So another team they was talking about that's part of this list is the Miami Heat. You know, um, they talking about giving up Bam, Ajabeo. Um, Justice Winslow and their 13th pick uh, Tyler Hurl and possibly Goran Dragic and his aspiring deal so you know that that's a, a decent little package for OKC but OKC got enough bigs as it is so that return I don't too much care for because Goran Dragic has always been injury prone to me Justice Winslow is a decent player. He's average. You know what I mean? He's not that good defensively. I don't know too much about Bam Adjabeo at all, so I'm not even going to speak on his name. But he probably could be a good prospect maybe for him. Maybe a fringe, good fringe player to work in that system with Sprostra. Um, I think uh, Eric Sprostra is a very underrated coach in developing players. Um, I think I think it will work if that ever did happen. But I don't think it's going to be too anything special. I think Jimmy Butler wants to win. And having a guy like Russell Westbrook on Miami, that's not going to work because I think the fact that Russell, he's a guy that is a ball-dominant player. Jimmy Butler is a ball-dominant player. Jimmy Butler is going to get frustrated him shooting these wild shots. He'll love his tenacity, but um, defensively, I think they'd be great in the backcourt. But at the same time, I just don't think Russell would work in that system because he's the thing about Russell Westbrook. A lot of people don't understand that this guy never, ever been in a structural situation with a coach. Uh, Sam Presti always put this team around coaches. That's a non, um, non-aggressive towards the players. They don't make the players accountable. They get pass-aggressive coaches that just stand there and just sub players and keep them happy with their minutes. Um, look at Scott Brooks for example. If Scott Brooks was not in Washington right now, and with a healthy John Wall and a Bradley Beal when they had Kelly Oubre and uh, Otto Porter Jr. They would have been a top three, top four seed in the East if they had the right coach. If they had a coach like a Dot Rivers or somebody like even Mark Jackson, they would have been in a position where they can win games. They have to have structure. I think David Fizdale would at least gave him the sixth spot or the fifth spot in the East 
Just be just the fact he brings structure. Even Lionel Hollins would have came in and brought some structure to that team. It would have been a very well respected locker room because of you know the history of Lionel Hollins. So uh, what he done in the past and what he done in Memphis. I mean, I don't understand why did they fire him in Memphis and bring in Jaeger at the time period. But that that was very disrespectful to me. I thought Lionel Hollins put that team in a great position to win games. So. Overall, I think, you know, if you look at Russell Westbrook, he'd never been coached really to me. Yeah, I think I, I don't I don't know what Billy Donathan has done in the locker room or um, in, in in the film room or whatever in practice. I, to me, he just I'm by looking at the team. They don't really have a structure. They just run certain sets and plays. And he don't make his players accountable. I never really see him on sidelines challenging Russell. Um, I guess he just say, look, as long as I give him his playing time and, and peep him on the court in critical moments and sum him out here and there and be pass-aggressive, he won't be disrespectful towards me. If long as we, if I put the team in a certain situation where I sub certain guys in and give them a chance to win, I keep my job. And, and that's the way that Scott Brooks has been. That's why they fired Scott Brooks. He's too passive-aggressive. He don't challenge his players. And he tried to challenge John Wall. John Wall never been in a structural situation before. And it hurts, man. When you see, you look at um, the Portland Trailblazers, for example. Um, Dame really respects Terry Stotts, but he has a structure there. He has guys that, you know, they understand their role. He never really had any uh bad seed situations with players. Look at Rodney Hood, the situation he came from. He came from a dysfunctional background. When he was playing with Rick Snyder in Utah, it was great, but then he ended up getting traded to Cleveland just to become this LeBron instant offensive guy when he didn't produce at the level that LeBron wanted him to be producing at. Because you got to remember, this guy, before um, Kobe Bryant retired, he gave him a set of shoes, you know what I mean? So the guy got game. You know, if Kobe give a guy his, you know, his last game in Utah, uh, a pair of his shoes, he's seen something in, in Rodney Hood. He's seen the game. I've seen Rodney Hood. He was a phenomenal talent. He went to Cleveland. His confidence got shot because he was hitting all these shots like, you know, LeBron wanted him to do. He ended up going on the bench. And it was a dysfunctional situation. Ty Lue tried to put him in the game. He said, no, I'm not going in the game. And that hurt his feelings real bad. You know what I mean? So being in a dysfunctional situation with coaches, you know, put this burden on players to, to do things they really don't want to do. And, you know, for me, it's all about having structure. And I think, you know, the Pistons situation, you know, having structure with the coach they have now, you know, it helps, you know what I mean? You got a former coach of the year, award-winning coach, and he's he's he have his moments, but like I said, I I I would like to see him traded for Reggie Jackson for sure. You know what I mean? So that that'd be a good situation. Okay. Minnesota Timberwolves. They're talking about offering Andrew Wiggins and a Jeff Teague aspiring contract. Um, I like that move. 
I really do. Um, maybe Andrew Wiggins with a change of scenery may help. Maybe put him in a different light. Maybe be in a situation where he's in a different um, system with different players and might change his way of playing. Bringing a veteran like Jeff T can bring familiarity to him. Um, keep him grounded in a certain situation. You have a veteran's presence there. Eh, it would be all right, but, you know, it gave him a chance to win, especially with the Dino Gallinari, and you still have Andrew Wiggins in score. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, I think Schroeder still come off the bench behind T because T getting the big money. So it'd be, it'd be interesting, very interesting. You look at the Orlando Magic situation. A couple ways Orlando, which remains need to impact point guard, could go this. The first package would include Aaron Gordon with Markel Foltz and DJ Augustine. The Thunder get Gordon, which is locked up for three years for $19 million a year, or they can come and take a shot on Foltz. That deal right there, um, I don't like. Um, I think bringing in Russell to Orlando is dysfunctional, especially with the young group of guys they got. I don't like that at all. Mobamba and all those guys, no. Uh, Eric Fournier, game would decline. He wouldn't be able to develop his game. Uh, Vukovic, you know, he'd be all right, but... At the same time, I don't think it'll work. It's just, it, it would be too dysfunctional. It'd be fun to watch. It'd be fun for Orlando. It would bring back some of the memories from the, the early 90s and all that. But I just don't think it'll work at all. And I just don't think it'll work at all. Uh, Miami Heat. And... This this is a very interesting move. Giving up Quick Capella and Eric Gordon. And it would be, have to be a money deal to have him to come on in with an expiring contract for Eric Gordon. And Capella contract goes to 2023. 20, so, eh, for Houston, it would not work, number one. Because... James Harden is a ball-dominant player. In the Mike D'Antoni system, the ball has to be spread around. Everybody would get shots. Good ball movement. As long as you do enough defense to get by and you score, outscore the team, you win games. Chris Paul and Brody would not get along because Chris Paul will try to facilitate the offense. You're taking away shots from James Harden. It's going to be moments where Westbrook's going to get frustrated because he's not going to get the ball in certain situations. And since he has the green light, he's going to be shooting a lot of wild threes. So right now, his three-point percentage is as low as it already is. It might be in the 20s, the late 20s. I wouldn't be surprised to be around 25%, to be honest with you. Then again, it might make him better. He had the green light, you know. And his pursuit percentage might go up because he might have or open shots because... Defense gonna be worried about James Hart. Then you got to worry about two other guys. So, but his shooting, 
I don't see it this late in his career. It's going to be his downfall. And that, that's going to be a very dysfunctional situation. Another thing today I saw was uh, LeBron James on Instagram taking a picture with AD, giving him the number 23, another publicity stunt to show that LeBron cares about AD. He cares about winning. He sacrificed his number to number six, so he's handing the keys over to AD to stay there long-term in LA, and he's the good guy and all this, blah, 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 blah. And we already know LeBron James playing a psychological game with AD. He knows he chose AD to be his right-hand man for the next two or three years, whatever he got left on his contract. So that's basically what it comes down to. Three years with AD, and after that, he might sign back or whatever. They allow him to come back. But he's he's getting older, and he needs somebody that he can ride and piggyback off like Shaq did in 2006 with Dwayne Wade. You know what I mean? Calling him Flash, just my brother and all this. And Dwayne Wade carried that team to a championship, won in 2006 as a young player. You know what I mean? Coming in that 2003 draft. Unbelievable run by Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade that year. But going a little bit off subject, uh, another thing I saw was Kevin Durant going from number 35 to number 7. And he wrote this statement saying, 35 took my family and me from St. Pleasant, Maryland, and showed me the world. 35 allowed me to meet people that I never would have had a chance to meet, experience things I never had a chance to experience, and achieve things I never would have been able to achieve. 35 allowed me to go to the University of Texas to play basketball. 35 allowed me to achieve my dream of playing in the NBA in Seattle. 35 allowed me to play in Oklahoma City and form bonds and friendships that last a lifetime. Lastly, 35 allowed me to go to the Bay and win two championships and form brotherhood that no time or distance will ever break. 35 was chosen in honor of someone who was very dear to me. I will always honor him and honor the number 35. But as I started a new chapter in my basketball life, I'll be wearing on my back the number seven next time you see me on the floor. One time, Brooklyn. Oh, boy. For me, for that, um, he's transitioned into what Kobe did. 24 from the number eight. You know, LeBron going from 23 to six, 35 to seven. You know what I mean? You know, what Carmelo did, changing the 15 to 7. But I think the 7 means something, you know. And I like it. Um, it's, 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 it's inspirational coming off the Achilles. I don't know what Brooklyn's going to do. I'm not going to predict the future on Brooklyn. But it's going to be very interesting to see what comes out of the East. Right now, I can't say anything about Brooklyn because, you know, obviously he's going to be out a whole season. And I definitely don't expect him to come back next season. And I'm not going to try to rush him to come back because I believe in morality. I don't believe in rushing somebody back for, you know, fantasy sports and looking at players as robotic figures and analytic numbers. Um, That's not right to me. And I think it's disrespectful. 
And I want him to come back as healthy as he possibly can get. I looked at the DeLon Wright situation where he was a restricted free agent in Memphis and going to Dallas. I think DeLon Wright with a three-year, $29 million deal would be okay for Dallas. Um, Brains versatility. He's a scorer, slasher, good three-point shooter. Um, I think he would compliment Luka Donich and those guys very well. Um, I like the Seth Curry going to Dallas. I I love it. Um, I wish the Pistons would have tried to go after him and bring him on that team. And I think he would have did pretty good with the way way Dwayne Casey is as a coach. Um, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Leaving Brooklyn to go to Toronto for a year. Um, it's gonna be interesting. He's he's uh, I think Norman Powell might get the the starting position job at the three, and I think he's gonna come off the bench behind Norman Powell. I think Norman Powell deserves to be a starter. Um, guy's tough defensively. He can shoot the three. He, he's he can score. You know what I mean? I think he's going to bring that that energy out there. I think Toronto is trying to create these cement barriers where they 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 won't break, but they they be they be there. You know what I mean? You could depend on them being there in games. So they're going to have some type of structure there. So overall the NBA right now is is looking pretty good and um uh, speaking of Detroit Tigers, another disappointment loss today. Losing 6-3 to the Red Sox is very disappointing to see. I didn't watch the game. I just saw the score. Um, right now, Detroit sports, for me, in the city of Detroit, man, we just, we we trying to do enough to get by in the dry spell moments right now. I'm a lot of people waiting on football season, including myself. But for me, I just want to enjoy summer, man. You know what I mean? So, that's the way I look at it right now. I'm trying to enjoy summer. And and just taking each day at a time and seeing all these free agents just flourish into different areas of the NBA. And it's very interesting right now. But when things start to heat up towards the football season, you will get some real talk from me on the NFL talk, too. So, you know, today I felt very comfortable with my second podcast and I want to thank everybody that's out there that listens to this podcast please spread this to multiple people as you possibly can um, I want to let everybody know the realness about the way I look at sports and I want to give everybody a different perspective on how to look at the game from my point of view I'm not saying I'm a sports expert or nothing like that but I just want you know guys to post this on Twitter whatever just put me out there much as you can i really appreciate the love in return i will if you know if i ever make it big i will start you know giving out gifts and stuff on the show and daily and weekly you know i just want to let everybody know i really support them they really support me i just want this show to jump off because i want this show to be out here in the world for people to hear my voice and hear my perspective on it i'm tired of hearing these LeBron slappies every day. I'm tired of hearing people using the same terminology about certain things. I want to hear. I want. I want everybody to hear the real. You know what I mean? If you have any opinions, 
and you know somebody can send me an email when I when I put my email link out there. I want to have all the support. You know, I want you guys to really get this out here. You know, put it on your mainstream media outlets, and you know, tell everybody about me, man. I really appreciate the love. You guys have a good night or evening, whatever time you listen to this, or in the morning. Peace out. Uh.